Welcome to The Mental Cast, powered by Soul Performance Academy. The Mental Cast is a podcast focused on the topics and people helping drive us forward in leadership, learning, and our personal journeys. Just a reminder, you can send in your questions using the hashtag AskDanMickle, A-S-K-D-A-N-M-I-C-K-L-E, or sending an email to info at danmickle.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Mental Cast. Welcome to The Mental Cast. I am your host, Dan Mickle, and this podcast is brought to you by Soul Performance Academy. You can visit them online at www.soulperformanceacademy.com, across all social media at 717soul, and you can reach me directly at danmickle.com and at realdanmickle across all social media. This is Season 3, Episode 7. You can reach out to us, hashtag Ask717Soul, Ask Dan Mickle. Either one of those hashtags work great to send us your questions, comments, concerns, hate mail, love mail, whatever you'd like to do. And this episode is going to be a little bit different. It is unscripted. And typically I have a guest on and, you know, we talk about performance psychology, learning, education, Sports, marketing, you know, a variety of topics. And it's been a while since I did an episode. You know, I I try to do these monthly. That was my plan. But you'll notice that I believe July was the last one. So pretty much almost two months have gone by. And I decided to come back with this episode. Um, I have had, have, master plans of moving forward and and my guests and and lining those things up great. But I felt like I owed a moment for this episode and a little bit of an explanation of where I've been, what's going on. And the, the title of this episode is I Wasn't Prepared. And that's probably about as honest and blunt as I can be. And bear with me. Um, this is going to be a pretty transparent, vulnerable, open episode. Um, Again, unscripted. I'm really not going off of anything, so it might be a little kind of all over the place, but we have been in a crazy spot for about two years, right? Everything going on from the pandemic to extreme politics to supply chain issues, just everywhere we turn. Things are just kind of different, falling apart in a sense, socially, economically, everything. When the pandemic happened and began, I really set out to make it my mission to be there for people, specifically my coaching friends and their teens, because I knew that while it was going to be hard for us as adults and coaches and parents, it was going to be really tough for our kids and our players. And it was really my 
conscious decision that I wanted to be there. I wanted to pr produce things and fill this space or void. Um, so between upping the podcast, adding the second podcast, uh, the proper atmosphere, shameless plug right there. Um, I just started going crazy and doing a lot of group team, even one-on-one -on -one training, um, more than I was doing up to that point. Um, I was finishing my second master's degree at the same time, but I really felt like I could help fill a little bit of the gap where seasons were being canceled, practices were being canceled, but they still wanted to be a team. And I pushed really, really hard to get there. And I'm really proud of what I did and who I worked with. But at the same time, I rushed a lot of it. I, I was when I wasn't doing school stuff for myself, I was developing content, developing programs to present or I was presenting. Um, I think at the height of it, I was doing nine sessions, programs, teams, individuals a week on top of my own coaching duties and my own spousal duties and parental duties and work duties. And, but I was really driven by making sure that I could help out any way that I can. Um, and I uh, absolutely appreciate all my fellow coaches and friends that reached out and asked me to work with their teams or their players or their kids, because, um, it, it did mean a lot. And it probably did help me through some of the toughest times at the beginning of this because I was so focused on helping them. But at some point in the middle of this, um, I, I realized I had an issue. I was not taking care of myself, obviously, but I also wasn't taking care of those around me as much as I wanted to not, not being neglectful. I don't think, um, but I certainly could have been there more for the people closest to me. Um, my wife, my kids, my friends, you know, my parents were all supportive and, and I was there, I was present, but probably not as present as I could be. And, I just started to realize that the issue that I was having was I just couldn't shut it down. That was the problem. At, at no point was I able to just turn it off and relax. I, I had brief moments when I would do something else um, to kind of take my mind off of it. But the minute I had no th real thoughts going... Um, I was just, my mind was getting crammed with, uh, I could do this course or I need to modify this. This is the feedback that I got from this group and I could change this curriculum a little bit. And I just got obsessed. And the problem that I realized an issue that I was having was I started creating too many buckets to try and fill. And what I mean by that was I was getting feedback on three different programs 
And instead of trying to just focus and get one done, I was trying to multitask, which is stupid because I know the research. I know that as humans, we can't effectively actually multitask. It just doesn't work. Not if we want to be efficient and do our best work. Um, but I was like a squirrel or a cat chasing the, the laser pointer. I just was all over the place. And I started to, to bounce, you know, between all these projects. And I realized that it wasn't because I wasn't driven or focused. I was bouncing because I was burning out and I wasn't realizing it. I was bouncing because I wanted that really quick adrenaline rush that comes with an aha moment or solving a problem quickly. So I would, you know, be working on course content one. And while I'm working on it, I'm getting burned out. And all of a sudden I have an idea or a solution for a problem in course content number two. So then I'd rush over to two and start working on two because the adrenaline of the excitement of having this new idea or solution would pull me through to getting some of it done. Um, I thought I was telling myself I was being productive and active, but really I was just bouncing along to, to stay creatively alive. Um, I guess I should make that point. Like at no point is this like a physical or, you know, mental breakdown per se. Like there's no danger here. I mean, I guess it, it could have been if it gotten worse, but it was really just masking what was going on by using the adrenaline of bouncing project to project. And I just got to the point where I could never shut it down typical of anxiety or stress. But the part that came with it that really caused the issue was I also had no motivation. It literally sucked every ounce of motivation for everything. There was a point in the summer where I wouldn't say I was depressed, although I guess clinically, you know, these are all signs of depression, but I was just not motivated to do anything. Coaching, working, just nothing. I was completely drained. I was waking up tired, going to bed tired, but never feeling rested. I'm a very regimented person when it comes to wellness, meditation, journaling. It all stopped. Everything that I have taught everything that I have preached about getting through tough moments and focus and anxiety and stress, I couldn't do. And part of it was I couldn't tell my brain that I was doing this to get better. Every time I wanted to try and do something meditation or mindfulness wise, it felt like I was doing it 
to do it for work. I felt like I was meditating to figure out how to teach someone meditation. I thought I was coping and journaling and doing my skills that I always do, not because I needed them, because I was trying to make sure they were good things to teach to other people. So at some point, my coping skills and things that have helped me in my entire life have now started to feel like work. I no longer meditated to feel better. I was meditating so I could learn to teach people how to meditate better. My relaxation techniques were now becoming work techniques. And that's when I knew I had an issue. Normally, when I have a problem, let's say I'm not motivated for my social media content creation. I'm good everywhere else. My teaching, my coaching, my working, and that can pull me through until I get out of the slump creativity-wise and the problem was everything I was doing was work or felt like work or stress. I create posts on social media felt like work. I read an article someone sent me, it felt like work. I go on social media, I go on Facebook groups, and I felt like I was reading just to answer questions and provide help. Because I went so hard at the beginning of this pandemic to try and help people in any way I could. And it became... Everything became work. Driving my kids to school was work. I went, I, 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 at no point did I go to a dark place. I, I can honestly and, and, and fully say that. At, at no point was it dark. Uh, again, I'm sure some of these signs you could say I was depressed, but what I would consider deep depression or, or lasting depression, I, I never really got to that point. But I just wasn't where I needed to be. How I wasn't prepared for any of this is the issue. And I'm not sure I know the answer to how we prepare for this. Because I felt like I had everything in place. Again, my, my journaling, my meditations, my mindfulness practices, you know, yoga, things that I try to do, I felt were in place to catch me for this. And, and then I, I just, I woke up one day and I remembered a presentation that I gave a few years ago at the ACVA um, 
the American Volleyball Coaches Association. I guess I think I just said that wrong. But again, I'm I'm just keeping this raw and open. I'm not even editing that out, so we'll have to deal with that. Um, I, I gave a presentation on burnout, specifically with coaches, because th- that's a field I think we burn out fairly quickly for a lot of reasons, and, and that could be a whole nother podcast. I mean, I've done episodes on it. We could do another one, but I just remembered I thought I was doing all those things, and I skipped. I skipped one key important fact or moment in that presentation when I was going through how I was dealing with the pandemic and what was going on. And that point was finding something completely away from what you do to help you with burnout. And this is key for me. I'm not saying this is for everyone. But those that don't know me and and know my history and my path, it may not make sense. I, for years, have been, was in the IT world. Um, Network support, network administrator for years. And I coached volleyball on the side. And even though there were stressors with coaching, the coaching was what was the burnout relief from the IT world. What I realized was when I left the IT world, not that I've left it completely, but it's it's not a major part of my life anymore. But and I became more of a coach, both as more of a involved volleyball coach at the college level, but as a mental performance coach, life coach, business coach, whatever you want to call it. I realized that I didn't replace what coaching was to IT once I became more of a coach. In my life, I've always had that. I was a DJ in various clubs. And Thursday through Sundays, that's what I was doing from 9 o'clock until 2 a.m. I was a DJ. Again, those had stressful moments, but overall, those were my release. And I, I forgot to find something over these last two years when I've really transitioned into being a coach. What can keep me from burning out at this level? I can't say that I woke up one day. I don't know the day. It's not like a sobriety day when you wake up and this is the day I'm going sober. Um, But in July, at some point, I just realized that I had a problem. I was headed somewhere that I didn't like. And again, it wasn't I wasn't turning to drugs or alcohol or, you know, completely laying in bed and not, not moving. I just I just wasn't motivated that I I wanted to be. I'm watching social media creators and influencers. And and I know that there's, you know, the Gary V's and the the top ends that are go, but 
I was just watching kids, uh, people in their 20s and 30s, just, just, man, they had these ideas and they seemed so excited. And I realized that that might just be a front. And when they turn off the camera, they're miserable. I, I get all that. But something just snapped like and I went back and I went through that burnout presentation slide by slide and everyone I'm checking off. Yep. Yep. Doing this, doing that. And then I hit that point of making sure that you have interests outside of your main scope to help you from burning out. And that's when it hit me. That's where my problem was. I've always been a coach, but it's been the side hustle. Now that it's no longer really the side hustle, the things that I used to use with that aren't coping mechanisms. Playing volleyball is still fun for me. But it's not the relief from volleyball coaching I need. It's, it's too similar. Doing mental trainings and working in online courses and creating this content for people was a side hustle. And now it's the main hustle. So reading books and learning and listening to podcasts and books on Audible and reading books and reading research articles and everything about learning and education, things that, again, used to be my break from the IT world and everything else going on were now part of the main thing. But I was still doing it because that's what I've been doing for years. I felt like those were my coping mechanisms. I had to find something. I had to make changes. And one of the changes that my, my rheumatologist, because, you know, I suffer from um, arthritis and uh, uh, gout, you know, a, a lot of things that are damaged from playing for so long, but also just poor body health to be honest, um, have really been on me about changing my diet. And, and my, my, I, I literally do probably 30 pound swings, like just randomly. But in the middle of this pandemic, it got bad. And, and part of it was COVID. Um, you know, I, I haven't talked on the podcast about when I got COVID you know, I, I put it on my blog, but haven't really talked about it in the podcast because I've I, I've been doing interviews and, and, and kind of staying away from it as much as possible. But my body went absolutely haywire when I got covid. Um, it was Black Friday last November um, 2020. And my blood sugars got up into like the 400s. Um my A1C, my cholesterol, everything just went haywire. And it took a while for that to come down. And, um, and it was working. I was feeling good, but you know, it just wasn't a lot. 
And my rheumatologist has been on me about like, you got to drop the weight. And I would drop five pounds here, six pounds there, but you know, nothing major. And, you know, one of the big things for me was he, he really wanted me to, to try and get off of red meat as much as possible. And just a side note for those listening, pork, despite the marketing campaign of the other white meat, pork is red meat. So, yeah. So anyway, fast forward to July. And I, I just wake up and again, no reason, no, like sobriety reason or anything. I just wake up like, this is it. Like I'm changing it today. And I end up, um, cutting red. I, I, I'm just, I'm done. I, I, I'm cutting out red meat. I'm not doing soda. And, and for me, soda is not a big deal. I'm not a soda guy. So cutting out like soda, not a big deal. Cutting out fast food. Um, you know, with how I travel and our hectic schedule, there were just it was a necessity. I felt like it was a necessity. So it was July 16th. And I just decided that this is it. And since July 16th, um, I've had my actual first red meat last week. It was what September 23rd or something like that. So I've gone from basically July to September with no red meat. I've had no soda. I haven't really had fast food. Um, I had Kentucky Fried Chicken. I'm sorry. But I've had no burgers, you know, fries from Wendy's, nothing. None of that. Now, I'm, I'm not, like, completely Debbie Downer here. Like, I've had ice cream. Like, I've had all that. But I went from 272 down to 239 is where I'm at now. In, in that time. Um, and my blood work came back absolutely amazing. Like everything was on the low end of, of where I need to be. Um, every marker, uric acid, uh, potassium, sodium, cholesterol, A1C, blood sugars, just everything was spot on. But I'm still dealing with some of the COVID issues. I still have brain fog. Yeah, see, right there. <laughs> I still have uh, brain fog a, a lot. Um, and, and we're talking like sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes I don't even think about it. It's like I, I never contracted COVID. And then there's days where I have to sit in my car and think a little bit about where I'm driving and how to get there, even though it's a place that I go 100 times like my in-laws. There are just those times that I blank out. Um, passwords. There's times that I'm. Like, I'll use it 100 times in the morning, and then there's this one time at night. It's like I don't even can't even remotely remember it. Luckily for me, I journal and write everything down, so it's not an issue. But there was still a piece that was missing and it, it, it was that side thing. And I decided to go out of my comfort zone. And I decided I would write haikus. My friend Pete Wong, shout out to Pete. I don't think he realizes how important he is to me and, and how much he's probably saved my sanity and my life in this sense. But 
you know, Pete, I dabbled in haikus just once in a while, and, and, and Pete was writing them regularly. And I decided that I was going to do a daily haiku. Um, and it turned into an obsession. Just an absolute obsession to six a day. I think I'm over, I think the other day I passed 700 haikus that I've been writing since quarantine. But here's the difference. Writing the haikus during quarantine when it started didn't help my burnout because I was just writing it to have a log, something to do. What changed in July of this year, so that's a whole year that I've been writing haikus. But what changed in July was I decided to go public with it, that I was going to let the whole world into this. I was going to do it on TikTok, um, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. I was going to let the whole world in on this. And it's scary because I don't know that I'm good. I'm not a wordsmith. I'm not good with language. I'm not a romantic writer. You know, my mom got on me a little bit because she felt like my haikus were a little dark. And I had to tell her, like, it's just easy to write sad haikus that I'm not a sad person right now. But what changed in this July that got me through my burnout was exposing myself to the world creativity in a creative sense. God, I'm going to I should probably edit that out because someone's going to clip me saying I exposed myself and it's all going to go haywire. But I opened myself up. I was vulnerable to the world and, and, and not just the world, just the trolls and the toxic world of social media. But I decided I was going to do this. And it has been amazing. There have been moments where people are like, this is garbage. And it just doesn't bother me. But the support and the fact that I've had people that I don't know that have reached out to me and they're like, hey, I didn't see your daily haiku today. You OK? Or, hey, I can't wait to see, um, you know, people checking in with me because I didn't write, you know, one day or I forgot was amazing. And it was such a spark and such a passion. And then, of course, those who know me know I, I just I dive full in. I'm buying special books and paper and special pens. And, you know, I'm, I'm Tombow is now my friend. I'm buying like 20 pens a week because I'm addicted to their pens and the type and style that I want to write. And then I, I, I migrate like TikTok is it's OK. But if you're just writing haikus, TikTok's no fun. So, you know, how do I be more creative on, on Instagram and Facebook and, and get my haikus out there? But it was that spark that it had nothing to do. I wasn't teaching classes on writing haiku. I don't use haiku when I'm coaching volleyball. I immersed myself in something that was completely opposite and away from what I do every day for a living or what drives me for my paycheck. And that that's the spark that I needed. That was it, it, I, I can't say that the haikus have solved everything, but that is what has motivated me. I, I saw an interview recently with Nick Saban, the head coach of Alabama football, that said that for the past like 30 years, he has eaten the exact same breakfast every single day. It's a cup of coffee and two little Debbie oatmeal pies. And the reason he does that is because he loves them. 
And he knows that that's his reward every single day for getting out of bed and getting started is he can have those oatmeal. And what happened for me is I started to learn that the haikus were that for me. While it wasn't completely driving me to do everything and be motivated, it is absolutely one of the sparks that would get me out of bed every day to get up and to write. Now, there is a side that feels bad because I know it would be easy to say, like, living for my kids and my wife and my parents and my family, that's what should get me out of bed every day. And they do. They absolutely do. But I needed something that was a kick in the ass to get into the next gear. And, and that is where the writing has come from. And what that led to was me realizing the joy that it brought and this exploration of why this was working. And I realized that what was going on was I was just too immersed in the coaching and education side of my life. And there's probably a million reasons, and we could explore that at some point, where it's I'm immersed because of imposter syndrome and I'm scared, so I have to study and I have to read more. But the haiku writing has let me say, man, there's this whole other side of life that I enjoy. And now I see things and I think, man, I could write about that. But that led to other things like taking a break from Audible, reading fantasy books more or Westerns and getting away from the technical and the training and the, the motor learning and all that stuff, the stuff that I love and I still love and I still have a passion for. But I never shut it down. Everything I was doing, I'm listening to these podcasts and every podcast was about mental performance or learning and facts. I didn't have a single podcast that was just the equivalent of trash TV. I didn't have a podcast that was just stories. Fiction, you know, it was just everything circled around trying to get better as a person, as an educator, as a learner. That's what everything focused. I looked at my Amazon list, my shopping list, like my wish list, and almost all of it was stuff for content creation, stuff for getting better at learning, books about learning. There was nothing in there that made me excited like when I was a kid. There was no G.I. Joe or He-Man guys. It was all the stuff that just fed to my burnout. And the last piece to all of this, once I started to feel better and motivated was, what do I do about this? What do I do about the content creation, the blogging, the podcasting? Like, I love this. But three months ago, 
I hated the thought of getting up and trying to record this. Nothing was ever good enough. My voice is horrible. My equipment's bad. I would buy new equipment just to justify trying to motivate myself. And I had a lunch with probably my, my, my closest non-family confidant right now. Um, Donnie Reeser Jr., um, who has been a guest on the podcast and we talked about it. But we were at lunch and we're sitting there and he's, you know, first off, we have really weird conversations that just I I can't explain how weird our conversations are. Not inappropriate or anything, just weird topics and random. But he could tell that I just was he could see just the burnout on my face. And I said, what was bothering me was I I don't know where to go with the podcast. Like, I don't want to be one of those podcasts where they just fall off the face of the earth and everyone's like, Oh yeah, I remember that. Or I don't remember that (laughs) even worse. Right. And I love both of them. I love, I love the mental cast. I love the long form, the interviews, talking with other people. I love it. I love the proper atmosphere because I love answering specific questions from people. Like, I love that part. I wish I would get more questions so it would make planning those episodes easier. And I just said to him, I don't know where to go. I'm, I'm, I'm burned out. I'm coming out of the burnout, thank God, but I'm still just not there with the podcast. I don't know how to get back on track. I don't know what to do. And his response was simple but amazing. He's like, do this. Get on the mic. Tell them this. People are going through this. People are going through this and looking for people like you and others to help them, but not realizing that those people have the same struggles. And I just didn't know, like, I don't know. Even as I record this, I don't know what the reaction is going to be. It could get like three views, two downloads. I, I don't know. But what I do know is just talking it out has helped me. Even as I'm doing it live, unscripted, as I'm getting towards the end of this episode, I feel so much better because I talked about it. I talked about it to myself I've worked this out in my head. I've I've filled you in as my listeners, my friends, my haters, you know, whatever level you are in my, my circle or sphere of life. I feel better because I've talked about this. And the answer was right in front of me, but it took Donnie to say, people want to hear this stuff. People want to know this. The other stuff is great. But people need to hear what you've gone through and what you're going through. Because chances are they're probably doing it. I don't know that I have or anyone has the answers. 
because what I have learned about this pandemic is the physical toll it takes on you if you contract it is obviously pretty bad. The mental toll is nasty from it. But just as much the nasty, the rough environment that we're in with everything right now is tough on everyone. We can't escape it. We don't need to escape it, but we need to learn how to cope and deal with it. And we haven't. We all know what's going on. We no longer have rhetoric, positive conflicts, debates. Everyone's just out to prove everyone else wrong or to prove their point. I'm not blaming anyone. I understand that decisions have to be made when we have a finite amount of time to educate. But because people are afraid to get uncomfortable with situations, this is where we end up. We end up angry and we end up burned out because it's a constant fight. Because we stopped learning and stopped teaching how to debate how to have honest, open conversations, how to trust one another. We stopped giving benefit of the doubt because a lot of times it has been taken advantage of. I get that. But it can't. And, 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 and this is where I'm making my big change. Despite the writing and the diet and, and, you know, physically getting better. I'm going back to giving the benefit of the doubt. I'm going back to love first. I can't. I can't be that angry person. I can't be that burned out person. I can't be the champion for social issues. I'll be there. I'll support them. But I want to talk about them. I don't want to just know your point of view. I want to know why you formed that point of view. I'm not running away from social media. I've made changes. I've left every like community group. Because to be honest with you, they're... And a part of the language, they're shit shows. That's all they are. Community groups on Facebook are just small town people bitching about everything going on. We all know it. We all know this person drives fast. We all know the trash wasn't picked up today. We all know the buses are running late because there's a driver shortage. I don't need to see it every day. You're allowed to have your opinion, but I don't care. Most of the time, I don't care. I don't care that... You went to a restaurant and had to wait 35 minutes because they don't have enough workers. I get it. 
I had to wait 35 minutes to get food because I didn't have enough workers. I just don't need to see it every day. I don't need to see everyone venting. If you need to vent on social media, that's totally up to you. But I don't need to fight about everything. If I disagree, I'm probably just scrolling, moving on. But that's that's some of the changes. But I wanted to do this episode because I just... I needed people to understand where I went for two months. But that the struggle's real, but you can come out of it. And you need to figure out how to come out with it. Like, what is your method? I just know for me, it was the fact that I switched from my career to what was my passion and my passion became my career and I never found something new to make my passion that wasn't my career. Again, I love what I'm doing. Love it. I didn't think I would be here. But we all need that something that's just completely not related. And we just need to learn how to talk. We don't need to fill every moment with stuff. Coaches of youth sports, I am literally talking directly to you right now. It is okay to let your players have downtime. It is okay to take days off. It is okay to let your players heal physically and mentally. Stop grinding your players into the ground. In the last almost two years, I have worked directly with over 300 kids from 10 to 18 and even beyond, but obviously they're not kids. While I don't have a scientific chart, I can tell you off the top of my head that 70 to 80% of them are in a bad state of mind. It doesn't matter if it's from lack of school or school, the pandemic, loss of a loved one, the grind of a sport. doesn't matter. I could, from a seeing it point, I could care less what the reason is. From a treatment point, that's different. Things are not normal. Just trying to make them normal are, is not the answer. It's not going to help. Please stop saying let's get back to normal because that's not the answer. We need to change what normal was. I 
I could go on a rant of a million changes that we should make. No homework, no more than three practices a week. Like, there's a million things that we could debate and talk about. But I am talking about the broad picture right now. If you are doing and coaching and training exactly the way that you were in 2017 and 2018, you have a problem. It may not feel like it now, but you are going to have a problem. Because the people you are training are not the same people that left you in 2018 and have come back now that things are opening up. They are different people. They are changed. We need to change things. Same goes for the corporate world. We need to reevaluate how we do things. So that's where I'm at. That's I, I'm in a good place. I feel like I am back. I've recorded this episode. I recorded a new episode of The Proper Atmosphere this morning. I'm lining up my guests to finish out season three. I'm excited for season four. I feel like I'm in a good place. But the problem was I forgot to disconnect myself. And just going away for a week is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that you are passionate about that has nothing to do with where your paycheck comes from. It's okay to love your job and focus on it. Absolutely. But you need to have something that's not connected to your job that you love and you're passionate about. A purpose, a drive. And I apologize for the any errors, sounds. I just I decided I just wanted to do this raw, one take, hit record. And we'll be back with our guests. I got things lined up. We are good. We are going to be pumping things back out. Uh, my next step is to fire the blog back up and get, get more actual writing in. Um, but thank you for taking the time to listen to this and I hope it made sense and I hope you understand where I'm coming from, where I've been and, and what's going on. I welcome your feedback, Dan at danmickle.com at real Dan Mickle on social media at 717 soul. Um, but I look forward to finishing out this great season three and starting off an amazing season four after the first of the year. Um, Thank you to my wife for helping me hold this all together, my kids for understanding all of this and, and putting up with it is amazing. Huge shout out to Pete Wong for inspiration and help and, and Brian Swenty for being a sounding board and, and BJ and everyone that you know has been there for me and absolutely, um, you know, Brett... Uh, even though, you know, we're states away now, obviously has always been my rock and my foundation, my best friend um, forever. And absolutely thank you so much to Donnie for um, just being blunt and honest and, and supportive. Like, it really does mean a lot. And um, I, I just thank everyone for this opportunity. And I can't wait to see what we bring you. And yeah. All right. So there you have it, a little bit 
inside my head. Sorry if it was a little depressing. I hope it was more uplifting at the end. You know, whatever. We're moving on. We're good. I'm fired up. Let's go. I will see everyone in October for episode eight with a special guest, hopefully repeat guest. And stay in there. Stay through it. Reach out if you need any help. Reach out to a professional if you're in a dark place. Um, Yeah. And don't suck. Thank you for listening to The Mental Cast, powered by Soul Performance Academy and hosted by Dan Mickle. You can always reach the show on all social media platforms at the username at RealDanMickle or via the show's website at danmickle.com. Don't forget to check out our title sponsor, Soul Performance Academy, at the username at 717soul and on their website, 717soul.com. We hope you can join us for our next episode.